day one day I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be as good looking as you. I'm going to have as much rhythm as you. I'm going to be filled with as much goodness as you're filled with. Shigabanga. Oh, well. Turn with me, please, to Psalm 100. And uh, we are going to end out this year. This is the last Sunday of 2020. And what a phenomenal year we've had. 2020 has been the best year ever. It's been amazing. Why are you all laughing so hard? Listen, you know what? I think that some of you have been drinking the wrong Kool-Aid again. How many of you, if you're really, really honest, you've been thinking, man, I just can't wait till 2020 is uh, over and 21 starts. How many of you? Come on. Okay, close your eyes and put your hands up. <laughs> you know, I just want you to know, okay, that on January the 1st, 2021, nothing will change if you're thinking that what really counts is on the outside of you. Because the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, but it's the same old face staring you in the mirror every day. And until we discover that the source of our well-being and the definition of goodness and what counts as a good year is God and His presence. The very Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of the Son, Jesus, dwelling on the inside of us, will always be frustrated and will always think that each year is not good enough. And I want to end the year with this message that God is good. And you know, if there's anything that 2020 has been, 2020 has been a great opportunity for us to discover that God is good. Psalmist says in Psalm 16 verse 2, he says that, that there's nothing that I have that's good apart from you. Now, can you really honestly, really, really honestly join that psalmist and say, apart from you, O Lord, I have no good thing. And you know, sometimes we get to go through a year like 2020 to help us discover that we have no good thing apart from Jesus. Because way too often, our definition of goodness, what feeds our sense of well-being, is anything other than Jesus. You know, I had a really good year in 2015. 2015 to 2016, I had a really good year. You know why I felt that I had a really good year? Because that year, I bought my first muscle car. Yep, I had a Dodge Challenger Hellcat when they were brand new. And man, I love that 707 horsepower under my right foot. It felt so good. Problem was, I couldn't keep the tail end anywhere straight. But actually, then I began to learn how fun things are sideways. 
And then you know what happened? Devastation. You know why? Because our middle daughter decided she wanted to go to university after all. And so I had to take all that finance that I just temporarily popped inside that Dodge Challenger Hellcat, and I had to extricate that finance by selling that Dodge Challenger Hellcat nine months later. And thank goodness, in the goodness of God, I was able to sell it for what I bought it for, and I didn't lose any money in the midst of the spirit of stupidity. I mean, uh, in the midst of all my uh, wrong decisions uh, and spending my daughter's uh, university money and get that money back so I could send her to, we could send her to university after all. And you know, all of a sudden, what started as such a great year just crumbled into pieces in my hands. Why? Because goodness doesn't come from a Dodge Challenger Hellcat. Come on. Yeah, that's just because you guys aren't into cars. There are so many things, aren't there, in this world that we, we use them as kind of like indicators of, of goodness. And so many of them are completely just sand in our fingers. They're, they don't define goodness at all. And the reason why is that we're the ones defining what's good. And when we're the ones defining what's good, good is never good. You see, because goodness is not something that humans define. Goodness is God himself. And outside of God, there is nothing good. Except all that God calls good. But God's allowed to define it because God is good. And we're going to come on to that. But let's start in Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Man, I think that this guy was writing this in a pandemic. He's like, I don't care if there's a virus out there. I don't care if there's a new strain or multiple new strains. Shout to the Lord, all you lands. Make a joyful shout. Shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with, thank, with singing. Everybody say presence. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Come on. Ooh. Yeah. It's he who has made us. We didn't make him. You know, all the false gods, we made them. But the true and living God, yeah, he made us. Kind of makes a difference. All the false religions in the world is all about man trying to please and create a sacrifice for the gods that they made. Christianity is all about God making a sacrifice for us. Wow. Every religion in the world that's not true is all about man reaching out to God. True religion is God reached us. God came to us. 
God's not a figment of our imagination, but we have been in His heart from before time began, from eternity past. Whoa, man, you get to discover these things in a pandemic. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You know, life just goes really well when you just say, bah. <laughs> There's a pandemic. <laughs> the economies of the world, they're all caving in. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Whoever asked what verse that was, please don't be so ignorant. I just read it. It's just right there. It's verse 3. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Say that with me. Come on, it'll do you good. Go for it. Go on, have a good one. Come on, let's have some baritone. You know, I've worked with 20... 2,000 sheep in Australia when I was 19. I was on a 100,000 acre sheep and cattle ranch. And uh, believe me, sheep have every octave known to sheep. They really do. They have little, little tiny sheep. They have mummy sheep. Then they have big daddy sheep. It's awesome. I love sheep. Yeah, just remind yourself every now and then. Your whole lot, your prayers are way better if you just make a noise. Bah! God understands that prayer a whole lot better than you saying a bunch of things that's just unbelief dressed up in wishful thinking. That's why we're to pray in the Spirit. <clears throat> Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy, or better translation of the Hebrew right there has said, is ever, sorry, excuse me, steadfast love. His steadfast love. For his steadfast love is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. I want to end this year in giving you an opportunity to join me in thanking God for all of his goodness in the year 2020, because in the year 2020, God never changed one iota. Malachi 3.6 God says, I am the Lord and I change not. I change not. And that's a good thing um, because if he changed, then that would mean that he wasn't God and now he is. And then we'd be wondering if he was about to change again into something else and then that would be God. One of the things about God is that God is eternal. Actually, let me just say that again so you understand it. One of the things about God is. God is. God is love. God is good. God is light. God is. He is. 
and he is eternal and he never changes. That means his goodness has always been the same from before he ever said, let there be light, all the way to the last trumpet blast when God the Son will return to this world to take us all to be with him forever. From there to there, he has never, ever changed. And he will never change. Shikabanga. His steadfast love is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 16, John says, led by the Holy Spirit, speaking in the Holy Spirit, writing in the Holy Spirit, the eternal word of God being written down in that moment, he says, God is love. The reason that God is good and the reason that God is eternal is because God is love. And for God to be love, St. Augustine said, he must be Trinitarian. And the reason why Augustine said that is because for God to be love, there must be a lover. There must be a beloved. And there must be the eternal love between the lover and the beloved and the beloved and the lover. And in fact, how do you know that the God that you serve is indeed the true and living God? How do you know that Buddha is not God? How do you know that Allah is not God? How do you know that the atheists aren't right and there is no God? How do you know? How do you know that the moment you were born again was actually a true experience and not just a figment of your imagination? How do you know that the Hindus are not right and that there are indeed a hundred million gods? How do you know? Is it because you're a Christian? I know I'm right. I just know I am. I feel it. Well, say, well, because the Word of God says so. Well, yes. Thank God for the Word of God. Because this Word is true. But what is written in that Word is the fundamental essence of how you know that the God who loves you is the true and living God. The only God that has ever made the claim to be love and not just made the claim to be love, but backed that claim up with the greatest singular demonstration of love ever witnessed by the universe that he created. The eternal God in time and space demonstrated his love in this way, according to the eternal word of God, Romans 5 verse 8, that God love demonstrated in his, this, in his love to us in this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Goodness doesn't come from having a car. Goodness doesn't come from having a good-looking husband or a good-looking wife, although that surely can add to a good experience. Goodness doesn't come from that Goodness doesn't come from the absence of sickness. 
Goodness is not defined by there being no sickness in this world. Goodness is not defined by anything in this world except God is good. And God's goodness is entirely based upon His love, which is entirely based upon His nature. Now, Day, I'm going to borrow you for just a moment. And Jonathan, I'm going to borrow you if that's all right. Let's come on up with that good-looking, handsome hat and beard. Okay. For all of eternity, the Father has always loved... Let's, let me start again. From all of eternity, the lover has always loved his eternal son. JT, can I borrow you a minute? Come on, JT. Yeah, that's good. We've all got beards, even though they can hardly see mine because it's such a scruffy little beard, but in comparison to yours. Okay, now, here's the thing, okay? Love is not just in word only. I could say to my grandson, why does Papa love you so much? It's because you're my grandson. And I look him in the eyes and I say that to him and I watch my grandson's heart fill with love. Four years old. But when I put my arm around him and I pick him up and I hold him, he feels that love. He doesn't just see and hear that love by the love communicated in my eyes and the love communicated by the words that I say through my mouth. He feels it with my physical being. I wrap him in love. In exactly the same way, it is impossible for the lover to love if there's, you guys scoot over there real quick, if there's nobody to love. He's a lover, but there's nobody to love. Therefore, he cannot claim to be love. That's why for all of eternity, although God is one, from the Father, from the lover, has always proceeded his beloved. Because his beloved is the recipient of the love that the lover has. But you can't be, let go please, you can't be, hang on John, you stay there. You can't be a beloved and be alone. You're only a lover because you have a beloved. But you're only a beloved because you have a lover. And so the son, who is the beloved of the lover, has eternally proceeded from the bosom of the father. But you can't have a lover and a beloved and be complete love yet until you have... Actually, you go in between if you don't mind. Yeah, like that. That's good. That's good. The actual love himself, who has eternally proceeded from the father to the beloved... Sorry, to the son, from the lover to the beloved, 
and the beloved to the Father, none other than the love himself. And that church family is how and who God has been and existed from eternity past. Look how uncomfortable they feel. And look, honestly, come on, guys, in love. All right. Hidden in love. Okay, now, the amazing thing is that there's always been movement in love. Love is constantly moving, everybody. That's why we are called by God in love, with his love, to move to the world. And to move towards each other. That's why we're called not to give up meeting together. Why? Because love is sacrificial. Love is self-denial. Love says, not I, but you. Goodness is revealed when I make a choice to say no to what I desire and yes to what I perceive you desire. And from all of eternity, the Father has been moving towards His beloved Son. Oh, by the way, it was at the Jordan River where for the first time in 4,000 years of human history, human beings discovered that God is indeed Trinitarian. Because when the Son of God, who had become flesh 30 years earlier, born in a virgin mother's womb as we have been celebrating over Christmas, when he burst onto the public scene, the first thing the Father had him do was the Father, led by the Spirit, the lover, led by love, led the beloved into the Jordan River to fulfill all righteousness. And John the Baptist tried to stop him. No, 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 I should be baptized by you. No, let this happen to fulfill all righteousness. And something happened when Jesus came up out of the water. Something happened that for 4,000 human years of history, nobody had fully seen before. God the lover spoke from heaven. And God the lover said, Something that changed human history forever. Right into the consciousness of every human heart that ever hears it. You are my beloved son. And we discovered for the first time ever that this lover is actually the father, the eternal father of his beloved son. And he spoke the words of love. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased meaning you are good. And then in that moment, at the same time, the spirit of love himself descended upon, sorry, the spirit descended upon the son and what, what had been hidden from ages past was now revealed in which a human, oops, a human, received the spirit of adoption when the perfect son of God as a perfect man who was tempted in every way yet without sin because that was the whole purpose he came and he conquered sin he was fully adopted by the father by the spirit in that moment and the spirit of love descended upon the son and what had been from eternity 
in the spirit realm was now in flesh and blood in our realm in time and space. Okay, now, what's the point of all of that? The point of all of that is for us to, stand, to understand that at the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for all of us who believe in him to simply say yes to him as God's chosen beloved son who died the death that all of us deserved, yet none of us could possibly use it to pay for our lives with. He died it for us, the perfect one who died on the cross for all of us, the imperfect ones, so that we just simply believe. And in believing, just like the Son of God was raised from the dead at the, at the waters of baptism symbolically, so on the third day the Father raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the same Holy Spirit and raised us all from the dead with him. So now each of us, we're not just Christians, we are the beloveds in the beloved, in the love of the lover forever. Here we are. I'm going to be, though, I'm going to be you. Here I am. Yeah! Come on! Forever? Like forever, forever, real forever? Forever. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's good. Now, this movement of love, C.S. Lewis called the Trinity the eternal dance of love. Why? Because the lover's always moving towards the beloved, and the movement of the lover to the beloved is the love. And the beloved is always moving to the lover, and the movement of the beloved to the lover is the love. And so there's this... Eternal dance of love. All right, you guys, thank you so much. Actually, don't go away quite yet. Now, um, that's all possible because God's God. If he wasn't, then he'd be like all the other false gods. But how do we know that he's not false? I'm looking for somebody um, you've got a great beard right there. Could you come up, please? You're going to just, you're just going to blow every other beard away. I like that. It's a handsome. You look handsome. I've been actually modeling my hair on you for a while. That's a joke. That's good, though. I like your hair. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Now, um, here's the thing, okay? You're us. All right? Here's the Father, He loves you, and He desires you. Here's the Son, He's the Beloved, He desires you, because He's the Beloved. And here's the love Himself, He desires you, because He's the love. Now, as long as they can show you that love, we know they're God. Right? But what if somebody came along and said, oh, oh. Well, now they would be God, wouldn't they? And what if, turns out that he lived at a time, 3000 BC, and unfortunately, they only lived in 1000 BC. 
they would have to say, hey, you over there. Hey, hey you over there. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. We'd like to love you. 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 But we came a little late. But we came a little late. But we came a little late. We late. <laughs> oh, so apparently, to be able to make the claim that you're love, you gotta be eternal. Okay. Not only that. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. We'd like to love you. 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 But we here. But we here. We here. And you're there. And you there. And you're there. Oh. Sucks to be loved by that God. You mean I'm here and... You're there? Oh, so not only is the God who can lay claim to be love, not only does it necessitate he's eternal, that means in all time, he also needs to be able to be in all places. That would make him not just eternal, but omnipresent. Oh, well, that weeds out a lot of false gods. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. We'd like to love you. 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 But there's this big dude in the way. But there's this big dude in the way. Big dude in the way. Big dude. <laughs> and every time we try to love you. And every time we try to love you. And every you, time. He blocks our way. He blocks, he blocks our, our way. way. See, there's a problem. If you're love and there's someone who's more powerful than you. It means that you have to actually say, I'd like to be love, but I can't because there's someone greater who's preventing me from loving you. Hey, you over there. Hey, you over there. You over there. You over there. You know, I've been telling you I love you. You know, I've been telling you I love you. You know, I've been telling you I love you. You know, I've been telling you I love you. But the problem is. But the problem is. The problem is. The problem. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. Because the truth is, you were born at a time I wasn't. You lived in a place I couldn't be. You tried. I tried to love you, but I couldn't. There was someone more powerful than me. And that means that every time I said I was love, I lied to you. Because what I should have said is, I'd like to be love. Thank you.
Hey, I got bad news for you, everybody. The clock just stopped. That means I got all the time in the world. So what I love about the Word of God is that the Word of God is truth. And when God says in His Word, I am love, God is love, you know that's true because of Jesus. Because Jesus came and He died on the cross and His death on the cross was for all time. And Jesus came and he died on the cross, and he died in time and space, in one place. But his sacrifice paid the price for every human being that's ever lived, no matter where they live. And not only that, but the ultimate demonstration of love, the demonstration of love that makes all other movements of love backed up forever as the best, that you've already been given the best, God did through his son Jesus by not sparing him, but giving him up graciously for us all. And if he can do that much, according to Romans 8.32, if he can do that much, if he can love you so much that he gives his only life for you, and gives you that life, if he can do that much for you, how will he not also graciously give you everything else? In other words, if, if you've had the ultimate goodness given to you, the ultimate expression of love given to you by love himself, which is that God who is love and God who is good gives you himself. So that now you are love, you are good, and you are life in him, his goodness and his love. How will he not also graciously give you everything else? That's what a year of COVID-19 has taught me. That's what pain and suffering always teaches us. Turn with me to Psalm 119, verse 68. This God who is love, oh yeah, he's life, eternal life. But he's also something else that's very special. Verse 68 of Psalm 119, you are good and do good. Therefore, teach me your statutes. Teach me your commandments. At the end of COVID, at the end of a year where there's been a pandemic, where there's been uh, elections, where there's been rioting and stuff that we've not seen in multiple generations in our nations, and all the nations are raging right now. And there's even a new coronavirus that's out there and it, it's a very serious situation according to the news. For me, my household, and I trust for all of you that you will hold on to the reality that nothing has changed one iota. Where is your address? 
Where's your address? If your address is Christ Jesus, if your address is the beloved, if your address is the lover, if your address is the heart of Daddy God, then there's nothing that can shake you because you already live where nothing changes. You already live in the goodness of God. Your address, goodness. I live at goodness where there's eternal life. And by the way, the next line of my address, perfect love. Oh, and the next line, at mercy. And favor constantly. And faithful all his days and all my days. And my body, though it wastes away, I have an eternal one waiting for me in the heavens, which cannot be touched, cannot be destroyed, will never ever fade and never ever change. All the money in all the world, you can keep it, take it. I got treasure at a whole nother different address and nobody can ever steal that treasure there. Hopelessness? Oh yeah, it tries to get me many times, but I have an anchor for my hope. Love himself that doesn't disappoint. Romans 5.5. Shakaraba. Mm. Listen. How do we know that God is good experientially if we never suffer? It's in a year of a pandemic that we get to carry the news that is actually the best news. We knew in our hearts that we were entering into the decade of a billion soul harvest. None of us thought of such an amazing way to start the decade off than shake everything in everybody's hearts that they've been trusting in that were a bunch of false doo-doo. See, I thought life was good because I got to eat food, my favorite food in my favorite restaurants. Now I've discovered that that's true because God's good. My food tastes so good because God created it and with the chef's help co-created it and it tastes so good and I love it. Therefore, I'm going to pray for all the restaurant owners in my area. Father, please help them to make it through this difficult time. Why? Because Lord... Your goodness is revealed to me through their awesome, awesome chefing. <clears throat> my favorite shoe stores, as you can see, I, you know, I have a different taste in shoes than, than some. I mean, some people love those cool looking, you know, what are they called, those sneakers, you know? Yeah, sneakers. Are they called sneakers? Fancy that. Yeah, yeah, sneakers. Yeah, I barely wear, wear sneakers. But you know what? Sneakers. Just pray that God will bless the company that makes your sneakers so that his goodness is revealed to you through those sneakers. Just never ever trust that God is good because you wear good sneakers. In fact, never ever let anything in your life define what's good and never ever let anything that you consider good in this world define God's goodness. But let all of God's goodness and God himself constantly manifest to you through all that he's created. And you will find that he will define what's good and your life will be awesome. Awesome no matter what you go through. Anybody can say God's good when everything's going right for them. 
In fact, that was the accusation that the devil made against God and Job. Right there in Job chapter 1. Oh, hey angels, how are you all doing? Oh, the devil's arrived as well. Where have you been? I've been going to and fro all over the earth. Oh, really? Awesome. Have you considered my servant Job righteous in all of his ways? Ha! <laughs> yeah, your servant Job. Of course he loves you. You put a hedge of protection around him. You've blessed him all of his days. Of course he loves you. But you take all that away. You take all of that stuff that you've made him so rich with. You take all that away. See if he loves you then. Okay? You have my permission. Take it all away, but don't you dare touch his life. And so for the whole year, Job's life is devastated from an American dream perspective. He loses everything that we use to define a good life. He loses his family, his children. He loses his mansion. He loses all of his belongings. Loses the good life. At the end of that year, all the angels are gathered. God says, hey, good to see you all. By the way, where have you come from, Satan? I've been coming from all over the earth, roaming to and fro. Ah, have you considered... My servant Job, you incited me to allow you to take all that stuff away. And he still loves me. Because the last verse of chapter 1 says, and Job still did not sin. And Satan, what does he say? Oh yeah, skin for skin. Skin for skin, God. A man will give anything to save his own life. Touch his skin and he'll see if he hates you then. See if he really loves you then. He won't love you. Because actually, when you touch his flesh and bones, he's going to curse you. He's going to hate you. And the Bible says that the Lord said, granted, but you cannot kill him. But you can, and, and Satan goes and inflicts the worst boils and sores all over Job. Job is in agony. His wife turns to him and says, Job, for goodness sakes, give up. God clearly hates you. You're hated. You're just a nothing and a nobody. Just give up all your ridiculous righteousness. Just give it up. And then it says, and even in this, Job did not sin. Come on. And the whole of Job is all about Job being accused by his friends, tried to be cheered up by his friends. And in the end, the only thing that shifts fundamentally forever is Job's mind. Because Job suddenly realized when he meets God's presence and he sees God's goodness and power revealed in all that God's made, Job turns around and says, I've heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. I repent in dust and ashes. You are God, I'm not. You're righteous, I'm not. You're free to do whatever you want. I surrender to you as the one who's good, and I surrender to your right to define for me what is good in this world, because actually all I want is to be with you forever and ever 
and ever. That's what my suffering has led me to. And I just want to say to you all at the end of 2020, don't miss the opportunity to pass the test of 2020. That you turn around and say, 2020 has been an awesome year because my God is able and he's good and he loves me. And he demonstrated his love for me in this way, that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. and I'm fully alive in him. COVID-19, if I die from that, I'll be more alive than ever in the heavens with him. Everything stripped away from me, all the money gone, I have all the treasure in all the world because I have Jesus. He's my true treasure. All the health in all the world gone, I have Jesus. He's my eternal life. All the opportunities gone, I have Jesus. He's my number one opportunity. All my relationships gone, I'm going to spend eternity with all of them that have gone in the heavens with him because we're all going to be alive with him. Let's stand, everybody. Let's just take a moment to thank God for his goodness. Just take a moment to thank God for his goodness. You're alive. You're eternally alive in him. And he's eternally alive in you. And he's perfect goodness. And he loves you so much. And there's nothing, no devil, no God, no false God, no idol, no demon, no principality and power, nothing, not even death or life can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus now forever. 2021 is going to be a really good year as long as you remember that God is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you just to think of the worst thing that happened in 2020. The worst thing. The worst thing that happened in 2020. I want you to stare at it for just a moment before we leave. Just stare straight at, straight at it, the worst thing that happened. And I want you to tell God who loves you, God, that was really hard. That really hurt. For me, my year started, for us in our family, our year started in January 2020 with our dog dying. And she'd been a member of the family for nine and a half years. That really sucked. And we thought that was painful, but then we had weddings postponed. We had all kinds of stuff. We had fiancés being separated. We had so much that we went through personally. You know what? Please don't define what other people go through as suffering according to whether it was better or worse than what you went through. In fact, when someone tells you my year sucked, say this with me. Ooh. Just say that with me, everybody. Ooh. No, trust me. Come on, let's say it. Say it to the Lord. Ooh. It's never wrong to tell the Lord, Lord, it really sucked that I couldn't be with my middle daughter at her wedding last week. That's true for me. It sucked that I couldn't walk her down the aisle, that I couldn't do the father-daughter speech, that I couldn't have the father-daughter dance. It hurt. 
God doesn't mind you telling him that. It hurt him too. But what he's looking for, what he loves, is that you say, and in the midst of this pain and sorrow, I welcome your presence. And I remind myself, I remember that you are good. And I remember your promises that you will work all things together for good, even this situation. And though I don't understand it, I surrender my lack of understanding to your eternal grace and wisdom. Lord, would you make all things good?